break. It's their first week. <laughs> We're getting first impressions. <laughs> Just like, this is what we do. We're all forbearing. Hello, I'm Mark Stanish, and you're listening to Critical Faith. This podcast is coming to you from the Center for Philosophy, Religion, and Social Ethics at the Institute for Christian Studies. ICS is a graduate school of philosophy in Toronto, where I'm a junior member. We're gathering members of our ICS community to talk about all things faith, scholarship, and society, and the many ways those things interact. We hope Critical Faith gives you a bit of a glimpse into the everyday life of ICS. We're excited to be back in the learning slash podcasting studio, and we're looking forward to a full semester of chatting with new and returning guests alike. I'm Danielle Yet, and I'm also an ICS junior member. Today, we want to take a moment to introduce a few of our new junior members and give them a chance to tell us what they're interested in and what they hope to work on here at ICS. So we'll introduce them in just a moment. Is there something that just irks you, that gnaws at you, that people just don't understand? For our second segment, we're going to give the chance to set the record straight in five minutes or less. So here's my thought. I've always been told to quit complaining. As a good Canadian boy, I grew up playing hockey. If you've ever listened to an NHL postgame conference, I don't recommend it, you know that hockey players don't complain. The message is, be quiet and be a good teammate. When I started working at camp during my university years, I found the same thing. I was taught that service to God involved doing the tasks set before you without uttering a word of complaint. When I read the Gospels, I thought Jesus told off Martha and praised Mary because Martha was complaining. When I read Numbers, I thought God was angry because Israel wouldn't stop their insufferable complaints. But here's my thought. Keep your complaining. God actually wants you to complain. For every story recounting a complainer incurring God's wrath, there's a story of a complainer stirring up God's compassion. Take, for example, Numbers 11. In Numbers 11, Israel pisses off God when they complain about the manna. In response, God burned the outside of the camp. So let's get this straight. When Israel complains, God nearly destroys them. On the other hand, a few verses later, Moses complained to God and God didn't get angry. He had compassion. Moses complained that the people wanted meat, and he couldn't figure out a way to procure enough meat for a nation that was wandering in the desert. The burden of providing for this nation was too great. So, God devised a plan to lighten the burden. 
He told Moses to bring the elders together, and he would place his spirit on them so that Moses didn't have to be the only mediator. After all, Israel was called to be a kingdom of priests. Moses called the elders together and placed his spirit on them. They began to prophesy, except then they stopped. They never prophesied again. They had an opportunity to speak the words of God. They had an opportunity to be in relationship with God. Instead, they were content to treat God like a self-checkout, obtaining their necessary goods without having to actually interact with the person. This is why I believe God was angry. He gave them gifts, and they didn't even want to engage with him. In the Lord's Supper, God gave his people another meal. This time, God's people were in desperate need of deliverance. His ragtag group of disciples were in desperate need of reconciliation. In the Lord's Supper, Jesus gave his body. His body was the gift that the disciples needed so badly, and they had to eat it. They had to put it in their bodies. Because Jesus was with his disciples, he knew their needs. Like God with Moses, when Jesus was with his disciples, his compassion was stirred. Out of that compassion, he gave them a gift that met their needs. Accepting that gift meant accepting Jesus himself, literally. The gift and the person were inseparable. I think that all genuine gifts operate in this fashion. When we give gifts, we are giving something of ourselves, which is why God is so angry in Numbers 11, when Israel complained behind God's back, when they ignored the opportunity they had to interact with God, they didn't just reject God's gift. When they rejected the gift, they rejected God himself. If they, like Moses, responded to God personally, God might not have felt rejected. If they argued to God that they needed more, they would have entered into a relationship with God, which is what he was longing for all along. My thought is that God isn't angry because people aren't accepting their lot. Why should we accept life in a broken world? God isn't angry because people complain. He's disappointed because people aren't complaining to him. The result of our displaced grumblings is a relationship with God that is phony, in which we just pretend that everything is swell, in which we pretend that we are cursed to roam a broken world. The result is a relationship with God in which, somehow, we've lost touch with God's work of reconciliation, which is now, yes, but at the same time isn't finished yet, which he has handed over to us to continue. So, I say in a spirit of reconciliation, keep your complaining. For our second segment, we'd like to introduce some of ICS's new junior members to you and give them a chance to share a bit about who they are, what they're interested in, and what they're looking forward to in the coming year. So joining us today are Abigail Hofsted, Theron Tolsma, and June Moon. Abby and Theron are both beginning their master's degrees here with ICS, and June is starting on a PhD with us. So welcome to Critical Faith. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, Theron, we're going to start with you. Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? So where are you from and kind of how did you get here at this exact moment talking to me in our <laughs> podcast exact studio? Moment. Exactly right now. <laughs> okay. Um, so I was born in Surrey, BC, by Vancouver, Lower Mainland, BC. Uh, I grew up there my up until like high school. I went to the Christian school there too. And then I went to King's afterwards. I was inspired to go there because I my mom went there and I knew a lot of people that had gone there and were going there 
and I knew it was going to be a great school and a great experience. And it was kind of like, I wanted to go to Kings, but I didn't really know what to study. Um, and in high school, I was doing, uh, involved in a lot of music stuff and I played like piano and guitar and drums and I was playing percussion in the band. So I was like, yeah, I guess I'll do music because that's, I can't imagine really doing anything else. So, and then, yeah, so I spent four and a half years at King's. I took one semester off before my last semester, but, and then really in the past, the last two years at King's, I started to fall in love with philosophy and, and reading more and more and getting really into it. Um, and then I, so I originally, uh, probably like a year ago, I would, I was thinking of still doing a master's in percussion performance. And then as that kind of the first semester of last year kind of came on, like came along and, I uh, still was reading more and more philosophy. It's like, I think this is uh, where I'm being called to to study. So, um, and then I looked into places to go and ICS is kind of a natural progression from, from Kings, especially because there's so many professors and so many people that are involved and have gone there and stuff. So it just felt like the right kind of next step. And so, um, now I guess I'm I'm still kind of studying music here and art and but also like a broader kind of just the continental philosophy tradition and also interested in kind of psychology and therapy as well. So it's I right now I have a very broad kind of sense of where I'm going, but I'll try and whittle it down to something more specific. Oh, we love broad. Broad is our thing. <laughs> yeah, all the interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary studies. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. So if you were in the music program, how mm -hmm. did you even come across philosophy, much less switch boats entirely? Yeah. Uh, well, King's is uh, like a liberal arts like university, so you do take the like the English and the theology and the philosophy and sciences and stuff. So I took my my two philosophy courses kind of earlier on in my degree, and it was like, yeah, it's interesting, but I'm not really feeling it at this point. And then just I, I live with five other guys just down the street from King's, and a few of them were philosophy minors and like really into it and really like brilliant guys. And we just had great conversations, so I started reading what they were interested in and then kind of found my own interest as well and just, yeah, fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. So uh, who who taught your first year uh, courses that you took in philosophy? And then when you went on, like, was there a particular philosophy course that you really enjoyed later on? Mm -hmm. So my first two courses were with Henry Skirman, and that was just the intro course and the... Uh, philosophy of religion, which was, they're both very interesting. And then, um, my, also my roommates and friends really love, uh, Dr. Dudiak. So I, I was reading Kierkegaard and wanted to write a paper on music and Kierkegaard. So I decided to, to talk to Dudiak about that. And it, um, we had good conversations and I kind of got the ball rolling on that. And then we, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of him, so he's also a pretty big inspiration, but yeah. Well, that was how we met you, too, because you came out this past summer mm -hmm. for the undergrad workshop and course that mm -hmm. Dudiak 
Kota with Ron. So. Yeah, which was also a great time. Yeah. And that was, it was great to have a, an experience of Toronto before actually like living here. So I got to explore a lot and also meet everyone here, which is comforting when you're kind of moving across the country and at least you have an idea of what you're kind of getting into rather than just jumping right in. Yeah. So that was a great experience. Yeah, that's true. Did you, uh, did you have any highlights from the undergrad course or the undergrad workshop slash um, course with Ron and Jeff um, experience the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Um, well, outside of like the actual class, we were here when um, the Raptors won the game to go to the finals. So yeah. We were like downtown and it was like huge party and it was cool. But like, yeah, just kind of getting used to, or getting an experience of what it's like to be a master's student and the whole kind of discussion-based class rather than lectures is is really f- interesting and really fun kind of and the way that ICS um, teaches you kind of feel like you're like right a part of it and you're like at the equal level as like one, a senior member like like they treat you that way and it's it's really cool to to see that and to be a part of that and like it feels like you actually kind of know what you're talking about. Even though <laughs> you probably are just, yeah, just beginning. But yeah. Well, that's just philosophy in general. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Feeling like you know what you're talking about. Yeah, at least that's trying true. to feel that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, do you have your schedule kind of figured out for the semester? Do you know what courses you're going to be mm-hmm. starting off with us in? Yeah, so I'm, I'm taking the two kind of required courses, the fa- biblical foundations and then the reformational history with Bob and then the, the class with Timotheus, which I'm super excited for because that kind of encompasses all that I'm interested in at this point. And then also the uh, class on beauty with Rebecca Schmick. And that will also be very, very cool because uh, she's my advisor. So I'm interested to get involved in her class as well. Yeah. Yeah. Music and philosophy, that's your, that's mm-hmm. your girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's going to be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are, since your interests are so broad, uh, asking a disciplinary question doesn't mm-hmm. seem to make sense, but mm-hmm. what are maybe some of the like pressing questions that you're hoping to answer mm-hmm. as you start your MA? Mm-hmm. Well, I can, I can try and involve the, the themes that you're talking about for this podcast right now um, which are evil and resistance and um, judgment judgment that's the other yeah. one so the past summer or the past year or so I've been working part-time at the Alberta hospital which is a, a psych hospital um, and especially working with in the forensics unit which is like a lot of um, criminals who aren't fit to stand trial because of like their mental illnesses and stuff so you re- like I got an interesting concept of evil where you um, like these are people who have done very violent, a lot of times violent acts, but it's, it's difficult to judge them because a lot of them uh, or probably 99% of them um, in their early lives have had some sort of trauma where that affects their, their kind of brain development and, and they get involved with gangs or like just kind of the wrong place at the wrong time. And then, and then they turn to violence or to 
drugs or which and of course drugs only makes the the issue even worse um but so then because to kind of judge them as like like just born evil people or whatever it's i find that very difficult when you kind of can see their their past life and the situation that they're in it's yeah it's i feel like it's a lot easier to come at their situation with love and grace when um you're kind of not presupposing all these things on them but so that was a great learning experience i think and just learning about people in general and how um certain events in their lives can really make a big difference on how they live and how either like good or evil can be put into the world but yeah i really enjoyed that experience So, Abby, we're going to start with you now. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about who you are, where you're from, and why you decided to start your MA in philosophy here at ICS? Well, um, I grew up in Edmonton on the north side. Um, I went to the Edmonton Christian School, and then I went to King's. Um, and while I was at King's, actually, when I was in high school, we moved out to the country. So I had a taste of both, like, the urban and the rural life, also mm. the commuter life, driving to King's every day. Um, and so that Christian education has always been a part of my life. Um, and when it came time to decide, like, first to go to King's, I was at first like, oh, maybe I should branch out and try something <laughs> else. Um, but then when it came down to it, I just couldn't envision, like, going anywhere else because I felt that I really wanted to get at the deeper questions, which for me, you can't do that without having some sort of like idea about faith in the picture. Um, and so I guess ICS is sort of like a natural continuation of that, hoping to go deeper into uh, those issues and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. What did you study when you were at King's then? Uh, at King's, I studied politics, history and economics, um, which was interesting because at first I was like, oh, that sounds like crazy and then some of my friends were like Abby that's you like and sure enough I went that I went there and I loved that program it was so incredible um and well at King's I also took some philosophy so I did like the intro but also did some political philosophy and philosophy of religion so um yeah what is it, what are some of like examples of the deep questions that, that le those let you get at? Um, well, in the philosophy of religion, we spent like the majority of it looking at the problem of evil. Um, so that was definitely one of those things that I felt kind of like culminated. I took that class in my last year. So it was kind of like a really formative class for me. Um, it's something that I continue to wrestle with. So, but I think that, you know, coming at it at a Christian institution was a really helpful way um, to, to approach that issue. And, and yeah. Yeah. Well, so you went Kings, ICS then seemed an obvious choice. Uh, you'll, the interdisciplinarity seems to have started in your undergrad already. 
what are what are some of the courses that you plan on taking? I know you. This is a this is a burning question for you. <laughs> Which of the courses you're going to yeah. take here at ICS? Well, currently I am going to the first class of all the courses, <laughs> um, which is very nice uh, that the professors have let me uh, sit in. That's something that my mentor Gideon recommended to me um, to see which ones uh, that I feel will like fit best with what I'm hoping to do here. So I don't know 100% for sure, but definitely taking the biblical foundations and the mm -hmm. reformational philosophy. Um, and hopefully also, um, yeah. <laughs> that's all I have to say. So what are some of the, do you have, in terms of your project, like ideas and kind of what you hope to get out of your MA uh, what are what are you hoping to get out of your MA? Do you have like specific ideas as far as like a project that you want to work on or like a burning question or anything like that? Yeah, I guess um, one thing I'm really excited about, which kind of fits with what you guys are doing on the podcast for the year, which I didn't know originally. <laughs> and also, It was meant to be. It was just meant to be. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. But I'm really interested in looking at um, specifically like why do Christians act uh, to seek change? Um, and so like, how do we identify something that is an injustice or is evil? And then how do we then act? And how can that provide us with hope in an increasingly like, dark world? Um, so one of in in my studies at King's, one of the courses I took was a seminar about um, diagnosis, hope and change. So how do we diagnose the problems of society? Um, how do we act for change? And then where do we find hope? So that has really shaped sort of how um, I'd like to continue to learn about that here at ICS. Um, my final project at King's was on Bonhoeffer, which was to me very inspirational because um, he was someone who was able to kind of like see through the status quo and the evil of his day when so much of the church wasn't able to do that. And I feel like that has such important applications for us as well, because um, there, there are all sorts of things today that I think we, we could be missing uh, as like the, you know, a bigger church. Um, and yeah, we, we need to start seeing through those. Yeah. So. Well, that's great. Yeah, you're right in the right spot at the right time then. Well, we're excited to have you here and we're looking forward to see where your studies take you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So June, you're here starting your PhD. Yep. Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about, yeah, where you're from, mm -hmm. kind of how you got here and how you heard about ICS? Mm, okay, that's going to be a long story <laughs> because I'm sort of a latecomer. I am pretty old. I came back to academia after working in the private sector for four or five years. Um, so I did my undergrad in comparative literature and then my master's uh, in English literature. And in between my undergrad and master's also, like I worked in another private sector for three years. So you figure out yeah, how old I am. And then um, the reason why I came back is because there were these questions in me kept bubbling up and I couldn't resist but feel responsible to give us some kind of birth to them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. And then I chose ICS. No, it's rather ICS 
chose me. <laughs> yep, being more Calvinistic. Um, <laughs> um, it's because I wanted to find a place where the integration between my faith and also my academic uh, inquiries could happen in a more creative way. So uh, where I did my undergrad and my master's, I loved uh, what I studied there, but also it was a bit difficult to stay true to myself. Um, uh, oftentimes, uh, under the fantasy of being objective in our academic pursuit, um, the big I in our essays, uh, they get I mean, the big eye, it gets dropped off and then it gets frowned upon. But I wanted to have a stance. And um, for me, uh, combining my faith and what I believe in with my academic uh, pursuit, it's something so important. And then it's something that will bring so much fruit. So it's not just study that I will do here. I want to find the truth. Um, that is also personal to me. So it's a, it's going to be a long journey. I'm starting my PhD, but yeah, <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> it's going to be a long journey, but a very, very pleasant one. So I'm really happy to be here. Yep. Um, great. So you, so you started out in literature yep. and you continued into literature. Mm -hmm. uh, what about ICS being like what about the idea of a PhD in philosophy yeah called to you then yeah that's true so uh uh during my undergrad and master's uh program I was exposed to a lot of continental philosophy like phenomenology hermeneutics um, a lot of French theorists also um so I don't have so much knowledge in theology and more analytical school of philosophy, but as a PhD student, I think I can uh, specialize in one <laughs> field and I don't have to be so nosy, um, you know, trying to know everything in the whole world. So I think I can find my, uh, find my own niche in the, in the scope that is dealt with at the ICS. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Mm, so philosophy, um, I'm also here to learn. So I'm a PhD student, so I should own my study, but also I'm a beginner. So I'm going to stay humble and then absorb a lot of things that the incredible faculty senior members will, you know, be with us with. Mm. Um, where did you, where did you grow up and um, where, where did you end up doing your undergrad and your master's? Mm. So I was born in Korea, and then uh, in my uh, high school, I moved to Seattle, the U.S. Oh, okay. So I did my high school and undergrad in Seattle, Washington. And then after that, uh, for my master's, I went to U of A. Mm, and then, yep. And then I'm here. And people often ask me, how did you find about ICS? And then I keep telling them, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I probably, I think it was one of the uh, like bibliography or uh, some book in the reference uh, page of the things that I was mm. reading. And I kept note of it like, oh, this place, uh, this place does a lot of cool uh, research. So and then it was always in the back of my head. And then when I decided to come back, 
to school, uh, this was the place that I wanted to develop my ideas further and then enrich myself and yep, my mm. vision for whatever the calling. Yep, sure. <laughs> the big words. The big words. <laughs> you said that you were in the private sector. Um, what? Uh, what type of work did you do in the private sector? Okay, so in my previous life, I uh, worked in this international association of uh, election management bodies around the world. So okay. it was a it was an association where the it's where uh, whose members are uh, like election election commissions of uh, different countries. And I did a lot of election observations. Uh, whenever a member country is hold, was holding an election, like the members would go there and then give them some feedback from the... So you were like a neutral third party on, in the election? Yeah, but not like in official... Okay. Um, uh, capacity. It, yeah. Not in official capacity. So it was an association um, of election practitioners. So they would give them like feedbacks from the practitioner's point of view, like how to improve their system and whatnot. And also sometimes we would uh, organize some seminars on election law reforms. If one of the members was going through the change in their election system, and then oftentimes we had uh, trainings for the election officials. Um, yep. And then it was also on associations. We would have like general assembly and mm. all the UN like stuff. It was even though it wasn't like anything officious like that. Uh, so just organizing a lot of meetings and um, like seminars and conferences. So what are some of these ideas mm -hmm. that you have and the questions that have been sticking mm -hmm. with you? In between your master's and now, uh, mm. what are you hoping to pursue? Um, so uh, studying in literature and a lot of literary criticism, uh, the topic of making sense was always critical to me. And then the current state of uh, hermeneutics in the postmodern sense, it's impossible. The chasm between the subject and the object, it's so it's so broad and then it's mm. just you know it's a void uh, according to jim the negative traumatic <laughs> void um but i think there's a way out and that's uh intersubjectivity which is what i'm really interested in and that in that transient moment that liminal space between i and you something that something can happen and then especially um when we look at the the, the experience that we have when we encounter the text, the logos of the Bible, I think um, that can teach us a lot about um, the potential for reading, the kind of reading that opens up the space between I and you, because we're encountering God in the text. It's a, it's a meeting place. Uh, and that kind of approach, um, it's not just significant in the the inside inside the community of the uh, the faith and believers i think it has so much to say to actually to the contemporary philosophies that are out there who's struggling with this concept of chasm and impossibility of making sense you know meaning making so uh 
that's what I want to get at. It's it's a very broad uh, <laughs> topic at this stage, but I'm I'm excited for it. And that brings us to our final regular segment. What's your pleasure? This is where we get to kick off our shoes and talk about the other things we do for fun. The movies and television shows we are watching, the sports and games we play, the food and drink we make and enjoy, the music we listen to, and so on. So, Danielle, what's your pleasure? Uh, my pleasure, uh, fairly unsurprisingly, involves food. Uh, I have been writing a lot during the summer and have gotten to a point where I can celebrate my mm. progress in writing. So uh, some of the people here, Hector, who's been on before, and Our registrar, Grace, our wonderful registrar, Elizabeth. Yes, who I'm sure many of you have or will talk to at some point. So Hector, Elizabeth, a few other people, uh, went uh, way out to Oakville, out in the boonies. I would. I don't know if I'd call it a boonies. <laughs> Bougies, yes. Boonies, oh, no. Well, we didn't. It was kind of a bougie place. Anyway, we went and got brunch in Oakville, uh, and this is one of Hector's favorite places to go mm. and get brunch. Uh, I bailed on it. I was at my cottage. I ate enough food for you, like on your yeah. behalf. So thank you. Just so you know, I appreciate that. Uh, anyway, the place is called Stoney's. Uh, Stoney's Bread Company. Uh, they don't make bread that I know of. <laughs> Nothing on the menu was bread. Um, but it's like a, it's a brunch place, but they also do catering and they have lots of like sandwiches and like pastas and stuff like that. And I got this crepe that was like the size of a small child. Mm. Um, was it in the shape of a small child? It kind of was. It was like swaddled. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if that's disturbing or endearing. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> we can agree on that. We agree on that. Uh, yeah. So, but it's kind of like a chaotic. The whole thing. It was all an experience. Like the whole thing. So, like driving out to Oakville with like everyone was fun. Um, and then you get there, and it's a very busy place, and it's like a Sunday afternoon, so it's just like peak brunch hour. Uh, you have to go up and order at the counter. Uh, and then you have to go sit down and then they bring your food to you. But it's like a nice restaurant, which seems like a sit down restaurant. So people are all very confused when they walk in. People are like trying to just come in and sit down. And then the waiters have to go and like tell them off. And ah. like, it's not your turn. You have to wait. Um, but even with our somewhat large group, we managed to get a spot and it was so good. It was delicious and it was a lot of fun. So that there was my go. pleasure. I was sad. I was sad to miss out. So my last week when we were recording um, Critical Faith, when we were getting things started, I had this song stuck in my head, which is an obnoxious song called um, Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. You know it. You love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do know it. Um, anyways, and I was singing it and whatnot, even though it was obnoxious. And then this weekend, I was looking it up to listen to it to annoy my friend. And I saw that there was a cover by this band Pomplamoose on Spotify of it. And so I looked it up and I was very intrigued by the, co by the cover. It was very, um, very funky and some really interesting chords mixed in there. I was very impressed. 
And, uh, and then I realized that they do a whole bunch of covers, uh, in a similar manner, especially my favorite right now is a cover of White Flag by Dido, um, which is actually very dancey and fun compared to the normal version, which is very sad and morose. Um, <laughs> so I encourage you to check it out. If you're looking for a fun time, if you're looking for a sad and morose time, you can look up the original version and listen to that. That's it for our show this week. We hope you'll stay tuned for the rest of our episodes this semester. If you'd like to know more about the Center for Philosophy, Religion, and Social Ethics and the Institute for Christian Studies, you can visit us at icscanada.edu. If anything from this week's show piqued your interest, you can also email us at criticalfaith@icscanada.edu. You can also find us on Twitter. You can find my co-host as at Mark Standish, me as at Beware the Yeti, and you can follow ICS as at INSCHR. And from the heart of ICS, thank you all for listening. This has been Critical Faith. If you like what you heard, subscribe to us on iTunes and consider giving us a review. It helps people find us and keeps us on their radar. Most importantly, please tell your friends.